Welcome back to another episode of the best podcast in the minors. We got, I guess, breaking news that, I guess it's news, but in the context of a podcast, it's impossible to be breaking because what you're going to be hearing, we recorded a day prior and before the news kind of is impactful. But regardless, we're going to talk about it. I am, of course, Carter Chapley. I'm joined by minor league dude, St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer slash minor league baseball writer, Daniel Guerrero. Uh, mm-hmm. Daniel, welcome back to the Palatial Podcast Studio. Is that what we're calling it? That's what uh, Tom Timmerman calls it for STL really? Soccer Talk. The Palatial Podcast Studio. Um, I don't know why he calls palatial it that. Palatial Podcast Studio at but, the Post-Dispatch. Yeah. We used to have a running bit on that show that uh, the PD didn't know we were doing it, and we were breaking into the PD every Tuesday to record the podcast. And then one day, Alan walked in while we were recording it, and it was like, well, we're caught. Uh, well, they found us. <laughs> they found us, so... Uh, anyways, um, Matt Libertor has been called up from AAA Memphis, Class AAA Memphis, mm-hmm. to make a, I guess, a spot start for the Cardinals. I well, from what we've learned, is to slot into like a sixth spot in the rotation. Sure, because the Cardinals, if I'm not mistaken, have 18 games over the next 18 days. Um, what well, the time of this recording, right? Um, sure. But yeah, but I mean, he comes in um, and kind of figures to be. Not like a mainstay, but like a temporary stay, at, at least sure. for the time being. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, you're you're right in the sense where it's like it's kind of a couple of spot starts to the next turn, right? As the Cardinals get through this really long stretch where the rotation, I mean, could really be tested. I mean, innings are going to be very valuable. Um, yep. And then really, I mean, we've, we've seen this. We've seen them go through this before. I mean, I remember last year, I think it might have been like around June where they kind of went through that that tough test of, of getting quality innings out of starters um and to supplement that i guess this time around you know matthew libertor after what he did in memphis gets rewarded with a chance to to make a you know few rounds uh of, i mean yeah to get to get a couple turns of in the rotation at the big at the big league level it's an interesting spot to be in because he he is by all accounts the number one pitching prospect in the organization yes um I know we can probably talk about, you know, Gordon Graceffo and, and Michael McGreevy as maybe being above him now, but I think he is at this point the number one in that like we have to get a decision on him soon. Yeah. We talked we talked about it at the beginning of the year a little bit. Like we have to know what's up with him. And yeah. this is his first chance after having arguably the best minor league span of his professional career, or one of the best minor league spans of his professional career at at that level. Um, I, I, you know, I, I do not have the capability of going to find like what he did in low A specific, well, like I'm, I'm just talking like he's made seven starts Mm -hmm. or sorry, excuse me. He's made like, um, I think it's, I got to find it here to be sure, to be sure eight starts at AAA. Like I can't go find a specific eight game stretch to compare it to. Like he might've been really good for a a eight game span in in double A Three, two years ago, this feels like the most consistent Matt Libertor has ever been in the minors as a Cardinal. Yeah, yeah, I think definitely in that sense, in that perspective of like as a Cardinal in the Cardinals organization over that span. Um, I think especially like at that level too, because I mean, yes, because he said uh, just looking at his track record, right? I mean, when he was in the race system in rookie ball, um, you know, it was really effective there. But I mean, now we're that's that rookie was ball. 2018, right? That was in rookie ball. Now it's 2023. Um, Matthew Libertor has really kind of um, continued to grow and develop. I mean, grow literally and develop. I mean, as far as you know, just 
uh, in terms of like on field ability. Um, but yeah, but I mean, what he's done in his eight starts to begin the year with Memphis uh, at that level, I mean, just the, the numbers are really impressive, right? I mean, that, yeah. that's the 313 ERA over, uh, what is it? 46 innings, um, has struck out 56 batters. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and when you look at what he did, um, not just with those, or what he's doing, not just with those numbers, but when it comes to, like the metrics, what his fastball velocity has looked like, uh, what is curveball? I mean, what just the effectiveness he's gotten out of it? Like this is kind. This, I, I guess. I guess the kind of point I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to is like this eight game stretch is kind of showing, or at least giving us a look at like who this guy has kind of been touted to be. Yes. And you know, obviously, we saw him at the major league level last year, and there were a couple flashes of like, okay, this is you know the top pitching prospect the Cardinals have have kind of promote or have been you know looking at um, in their system. Uh, but obviously, you know, he had some struggles, had to figure some things out. And it seems like he has kind of, he has figured those, those things out, um, just over this, this last, what, month and a half to begin the year, uh, in triple A. He's only had one start in triple A or excuse, mm, th- sorry, three starts in triple A where he's mm-hmm. allowed more than three earned runs, which, which is pretty good. Um, th- this feels like. A situation where you say that it's it's to join a six-man rotation mm-hmm. uh, and i don't disagree with with you in that that's what the cardinals have said yeah oh yeah this is based off of you know reporting this is what the cardinals uh, have said yeah. yes that the that the, the intention is to have him come up and join a six-man rotation it pushes adam wainwright back a day keeps him a little healthier uh gives some extra innings you know to the starting rotation can help with the bullpen this that, the other thing um it feels like if I'm Matthew Libertor, mm-hmm. this is an opportunity to force them to not send you down. There is innings and spots in this rotation available. There, mm-hmm. there are. They've talked about it. They were going to push Steven Matz back. They were going to do this. They were going to do that. You know, they had a hard time knowing what they were going to do. In the, you know, this is before Adam Winry came back. But there are spots in the rotation. There are turns in, in the rotation available to him. Mm-hmm. Um, as a lefty, as, as particularly, this is an opportunity where if he comes up and pitches to his ability that we've seen in AAA this year, you can make the card, you know, for, hey, try and send me down. Mm-hmm. The best, you know, like, it's one thing when you send down Jordan Walker to work on launch angle, mm-hmm. right? Work on power. Um, that That's one thing. Jordan Walker is 20 years old. Right? Mm-hmm. Matthew Libertor is now 23 years old. He's on the still young, still still young. Do not get me wrong, yeah. still young. But on he's on the later tilt of his prospect development path. And at this point, if it's like, well, if he's the best pitcher we have in our rotation, there it, do, it does us and him no good to be like go back to AAA. If he's good, this is what I'm saying. Is like mm-hmm. if he's good, it does us no good, right? Yeah. Like if he's going out there and he and like and you pose the question: Is Matt Lebator better every fifth day than Steven Matz or? Um, I guess that's the only guy now. It was for a minute, uh, mm-hmm. Jake Woodford. But if he's if listen, it's going to put a little pressure on the pitching staff now to be like, hey, there's a guy here who's going to take your spot, mm-hmm. and that's how I would see it if I'm if I'm Matt Libertor. Um, by the time you've listened to this podcast, you'll have known. We will know. We will. We'll have seen what Matthew Libertor, Libertor does with like. his first start. So I don't want to talk exactly about like the ifs, ands, or buts about Matthew yeah. Libertor. Yeah. I would rather get your insights, Daniel. As to what makes Matthew Libertor good, 
when he's good mm-hmm. and what makes Matthew Libertor bad when he's bad. Do you have a in-depth scouting report that you might be able to share about Libertor or your thoughts? Because I, I, I've watched him pitch a couple of times um, and, and I, I've always described him as like, he he is the, the most typical, like he, if he didn't have a 95 mile per hour fastball, mm-hmm. he would be a almost ideal like lefty like think think of like the weird lefty in mm-hmm. baseball like oh he's a he's a junk baller he's a this he's a that he throws kind of like he throws kind of like weird stuff Matthew Libertor would be that except he has a 95 mile per hour fastball to work off of but his best pitch is his curveball mm-hmm. that's the pitch that gets out so am I wrong about that yeah I mean that that's kind of been his put away pitch uh, especially in the early stage or in what he keeps seeing early stages and I realize we're like in mid-may yeah where it's like okay now he's now like, made eight starts yeah. yeah um but yeah but i mean when when you look at i mean i guess if we're just quite going based off of a uh, kind of the sample size we've gotten uh in 2023 um I, I think i mean even like i guess to to kind of preface this i mean going back to what we saw in spring training right where in his last outing in the great or not his last outing but you know one of his might have actually been his last outing there when he pitched against detroit made that start um you're talking about the grapefruit league yes okay um and just had a really effective curveball, one that Ollie Marmol said was kind of the best he's ever seen from Matthew Libertor. I mean, not not ever, but I mean, the best he had seen out of Matthew Libertor. From that guy. Um, yeah. And that has translated into the regular season for Memphis. I mean, that's been his really big put-away pitch uh, when it comes to retiring batters and when he gets ahead. Um, I think getting ahead is is really the kind of the key for him. Um and that's something that you know he's he's kind of spoken about before is just like not not being afraid to to go in and attack hitters um regardless of who it is um being able to throw his pitches with confidence is is kind of another thing too where i mean he uh, mentioned earlier this year where it's like whether he's throwing a bullpen or facing um you know another prospect or facing mike trout and that that's kind of the example he used like it doesn't matter who it is like he's mm-hmm. going to go in there um with the mentality that you know that he has that he has the ability to land that curveball for a strike and to get swing and miss with it um and we've seen that right i mean the the numbers are mm-hmm. they bear the, yeah they're they're there um and just when you look at what he's done i mean that that's that's kind of been he's used that you know it's kind of like the finishing touch right on on what he's been able to do um but i mean when you look at just overall i think the biggest kind of thing we've seen out of him this year that we haven't seen or really hadn't seen, I guess, at the major league level, um, is what he does with his fastball velocity and command and, and being able to get ahead of guys. Um, I think the, the velocity is really the main thing, right? We're early in the season, uh, in the minor league season this year, you know, was nearing 98 miles an hour, you know, sitting at 90, I mean, not sitting, but, you know, had touched 97 regularly, yep. um, was doing that late in starts. I mean, he was doing that, you know, 80 pitches into a start, which, I mean, for him, right, when you look at what he did last year in, in at the major league level a year ago, um, the, that velocity was not there. Um, and, and part of that, I mean, he couldn't as, maintain as, it yeah, at the very and, least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he couldn't maintain it, right. It was there. I mean, he had reached up to 97, um, in a couple of outings. Um, but I mean, it, it was something that, you know, th- there was a little bit of like need for, especially, I mean, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. In, in, in those opportunities, but, but yeah, but I mean, when you look at what he's done this year, like that, that really is kind of the highlight of, of kind of the start he's gotten off to where it's like what that added fastball velocity that, I mean, it's really in something that he said, you know, it wasn't like unlocked or like tapped into, right. Where, you know, you hear guys 
think we talked about Gordon Graceffo a lot last year, right? Where he spent the offseason trying to get more velo behind his fastball, and you know, mm-hmm. that showed up. Uh, Matthew Liberatore, I mean, with what he said, is it's just the case of him getting extra innings during spring training, where as instead of mm. pitching in relief, getting a couple innings in the Grapefruit League, and then being stretched out on the backfield, it's like, okay, like with the guys who left for the WBC, um, that opened up opportunities for him to start. And and we had talked about this, right? Where we talked about what are prospects going to do with those opportunities when guys leave camp. Um, obviously, we saw it with Jordan Walker, where he made a case to be on the opening day roster and was. With Matt DeLibertor, it was really what he did with it was prepare for this season. Um, obviously, was comp- he was competing for a spot, but he comp- he really used that to kind of get stretched out and into a point where instead of seeing that that velocity show up, um, you know, almost midway through the season, it was showing up on opening day for for him when he started for Memphis. So what you're saying is that by activating his almost it's almost it's not just like I don't want to make it sound like it's like oh yeah like his conditioning got better he's lasting that 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 his strength is maintaining throughout the game uh his velo is up he's been he's used grapefruit league starts to you know increase his conditioning on the mound mm-hmm. so to speak it's more about the fact that he has used those to get used to pitching at high velocity longer and by having the higher velocity in in tandem with command, mm-hmm. it has unlocked more of his pitches in his you know repertoire. Like his his curveball is better, his sinker, his changeup is better mm-hmm. because his fat he can build off of the fastball. Though he doesn't build off his fastball often, he builds off the curveball. Is kind of what you said here. Yeah, I, I think I why I think it's just that extra velocity is complementing what complementing. That's a very yeah, yeah. What it. Yeah. what his what his what he's able to do with this curveball. Yeah, uh, where yeah he's he's I mean just able to attack more. Um, and then once you get ahead, right, you're able to kind of use that put away pitch and kind of throw a couple in the dirt, whatever it is. But I mean, and and it's not really that's what he's doing. But it's like he's just he has the ability he's just to. attacking. Yeah, because he knows his stuff is going to play, and he, it's not that like he hasn't had that confidence. I mean, he does he never never really came off as somebody who's like unsure or whatever um but i mean he's always had that you know mentality of or kind of expressed that mentality of just going in and attacking hitters but when you see that stuff improved obviously those results are going to come um come much more frequently right to have that success and your ability to to go in and and get a guy with your best stuff because that best stuff is even better than what it was before i i will say um it is an interesting thing to hear you say that the thing that he battles with most is like attacking the zone when he's not attacking the zone. That's when he's at his worst, right? Like, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, right. I, I, that's just, you know, kind of and nature that, of pitching, right? So, so funny enough that this is the kind of point I'm getting to mm-hmm. is that that in itself is the, a problem that we're seeing in the major leagues with Cardinals pitchers. It's, right. it's with it, that two strike pitching, being able to two strike pitching, yeah. uh, too many walks, getting behind in counts, mm-hmm. right? Stuff like that. And so it's it's not to say that it's like, I think you're right when you say, I think you're right when you say it's a problem across pitching. Like if you're not attacking the strike zone, you're not going to be very good, mm-hmm. right? But um, it is becoming something that appears problematic with many Cardinals. And it's like, oh, interesting that this is like a running trend. Um, but if Matt Libertor has, and it's almost, I, I don't, it's it's so funny to say like it's a confidence issue 
Because, like, I feel like guys, like, you never hear about guys like Max Scherzer or no, well, Justin yeah, Verlander not attacking yeah. the zone, right? They're constantly I, I attacking it's just more the of zone. An, like, they say it's just more of an execution Execution thing. thing. Whereas I don't think, right. I, I, I don't think, you know, you like, you look at the landscape of pitching in this organization and there's guys that lack confidence. I don't, I don't think that's the, right. the it's, thing, it's, right? I mean, the like you said, it's just that it's, it's, yeah. when it comes down to just executing, it's just, there, it's just not there at the moment. Yeah. It's, it is interesting. So by now, we've seen Matt Libertor pitch um, in the major leagues. In, by the time you're listening, by the time you're listening, <laughs> you will you will you will have you will have seen him pitch. Um, a, as a lefty, I I still think this is an opportunity based on however he does tonight to get multiple starts in the major leagues and to solidify himself as a major yeah. league pitcher. Yeah, and I I think. Um it, it, it I, I honestly think that it also kind of gives us a better survey of you know what he's look what he's done right I mean mm-hmm. I, I know we talk about that a lot of like what guys look like down on the on the in Memphis. At the minor league level yeah. or whatever it is and you know we see him up close or we see him with better data or better sample size um but I, I think just seeing him at the big league level now um and also just getting a sense of like okay is that velocity going to be sustained not just through his first start but you know through his a few turns in the rotation. Yeah. Um, what, what that looks like for him. I mean, cause I, I mean that, that as, as much as we talk about, you know, what's improved, you still need to see it. Ag- agreed. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, and I mean, I wonder how that being in a six man rotation will help him recover. Yeah. To maintain that, that velo over, 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 right. over turn over turn, right? Like giving him an extra day might help his body recover an extra day. That being said, there are some guys who really don't like being in a six man rotation. Mm-hmm. Some guys really like the routine of a four, of a four day turner of a four man turnaround, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, but I do think it's interesting. And at this point we will see there, this wasn't the only move the Cardinals made though. Mm-hmm. Um, by this point we've seen Oscar Mercado get called up to, um, the major leagues to mm-hmm. substitute Dylan Carlson going on the IL. Can you kind of contextualize Oscar Mercado and like what his, cause like, I think the first thought and I've seen it on social media, so I'll, I will pre argue with you, pre-argue. I guess in, in, with this case is that there are guys who deserve to be called up who are not deserve, deserve is a bad word. Um, who could have been called up ahead of him. Guys like Moises Gomez. Right, like, why is he not the guy getting called up? Can you help contextualize why this move might make sense? Yeah, I, I think it's just when you look at the landscape of the center field options for the Cardinals, um, Oscar Mercado is the one that really makes the most sense positionally and like vers- versatility wise. Um, Moises Gomez doesn't really play a whole lot of center field. I mean, sure, um, not in his bag, as they say. <laughs> yeah, um, not in his bag. Um, but yeah, but, but I, I think that's just what it comes down to, right? Where you have Dylan Carlson on the IL. Um, Tyler O'Neill still on the IL. Um, and really, I mean, Lars Newt is kind of that natural center field option at this point. Cause I mean, obviously there, yeah. there are guys who you could probably moonlight as a center fielder that he's at right moonlight. Yep. You could. Well, the thing, I think the thing is like right now what I'm thinking about it is like on this roster, but, r- yeah. who is the guy who could moonlight as a center fielder? I use that word right. Yeah, yeah. you did. Okay. You used cool. it right. Yeah, um, you, but yeah, you, but I mean, you, I guess you have like, you know, emergency options, right? Where maybe I mean, Tommy you, Edmund. <laughs> But but you know that, yeah. that, that that that's that's kind of the thinking right where it's like that's why Mercado is the you need someone up here to do these jobs yeah yeah is is the fit for he's Ben Deluzio he's mm-hmm. he's Ben Deluzio from last year who can come up and play center field mm-hmm. defensively um and it's it's almost like it's I, hmm, here's the thing 
They play a lot of games over a lot of days. We talk about it. It's the same reason for why um, why Matt Libertor gets called up, right? Mm-hmm. They play a lot of games for over a lot of days. Can Lars Nupar play 18 games in center field in 18 days? Prob- probably. Probably, but I mean, but that's a... It's a gamble. That's a tall task. It's a gamble. Not a tall task, but it's a large order. And, and, and in the 18, 18 yes. games is a lot. 18 games is a lot in 18 Consecutively. days. Yes. Um, can he play 18 games in 18 days? Yes, he can. Oh, yeah, he can. Um, but do you want to really risk it? Here's yeah, the, right. Here's or the thing. Can... Like, I think over the next 18 days, you pencil his name into the starting lineup every day. Mm-hmm. That's kind of I, I, you, you don't plan on giving him a day off. But in the event of a 18 to one blowout, like we saw the other night. Maybe in the seventh, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth inning, you give him half a game. Yeah. And you need someone to be able to play the position, and he's the guy right now. You have the spot on the roster. You need someone to play the position. It's it, it's and like it's kind of like a situation where like do I expect to see Oscar Mercado play much for this Cardinals team? Probably not. But can he pinch run? Play defense. Play defensive innings. Do you do you? This is exactly. I mean, this is where you you're going to see him play. Actually, I, I I can't believe it took me this long. What three and a half minutes to to get there in, in this thought? He's going to come in in the seventh inning after Brendan Donovan has taken his or Tommy Edmond or Alec Burleson or Nolan Gorman have taken their last at bat of the game, and you're going to move. You're going to put Mercado in center field, and you're going to move Newt Bar to the corner. That's that's where he that's where Mercado's going to play. They're going to do that thing they did last year, where after um, Carlson or O'Neill mm-hmm. or who else was in left Burleson oftentimes towards the end of last year, they're going to do the, they're going to, they're literally going to bend to lose Yoam to give him innings. Cause he's their best at, at this point, your best defensive outfield does not in, probably includes Oscar Mercado. When you think about who's on this lineup, right? Like think of like, I think if you're like, think about who mm-hmm. plays outfield for this team, Mm-hmm. Your best defensive outfield probably includes him because the other day they started yeah, Tommy Edmond. It, it definitely does. Yes, it, they started Tommy Edmond in left, Brandon well, Donovan in right. Well, yeah, because of that of yeah. the three. If, if you mentioned those three, like I mean, yeah, obviously Brandon Donovan and Tommy Edmond are Gold Glove. They're both very good defenders, but Oscar Mercado is the only natural outfielder. Outfielder, yes, right, exactly. And then then the, then it becomes like, or it becomes a cascading effect where it's like because of the way the lineup has been forced to bear out of late. Wilson Contreras is DHing, mm-hmm. meaning Nolan Gorman plays second base. You move Edmund to second base or Donovan to second base. You sub Mercado in for for Gorman, mm-hmm. and then you just do a defensive realignment. There's a there's a there's a defensive play you can make here, but I think yeah, yeah. Mercado is probably part of the best defensive outfield you have right now, and Definitely. that's and that's where he plays. Uh, whether that's Lars Lupar continuing to play in center field or moving Mercado to a corner, yeah, um, it's one it, it, it's something like that. Um, how has he been playing in AAA? Um, yeah, I mean, you look at the numbers, and I think it's kind of about. I mean, what right, you can I mean, expect? Yeah, I mean, two seventy eight. I mean, two seventy eight average. I mean, it's pretty, you know, good. Um, over thirty four games, not hitting for like a ton of power. I mean, seven eighty two OPS. Um, has only homered twice, but it's like one of the. I, but I mean, obviously, it's it's not, what, it's um, not his game. Yeah, but that's yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's not his game. Um, like you mentioned. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean, you you look at I me mean, he's, he's hit you know pretty consistently, um, stolen fifteen bases, um, so obviously you know kind of provides a little bit of a stolen base threat with for the Cardinals. You know, if if they're in a situation where that is required or needed or 
you want a legacy you want a score from second yeah you want to move but, but, that, but definitely yep. i mean when you when you look at what he provides i mean obviously like you like you kind of delved into with the defense and but offensively right i mean he's a guy who you know has been getting on base kind of pretty consistently for memphis um has the speed to you know extend you know take an extra base or score on a ball in the gap or whatever it is um so i mean yeah i it it, so like overall i mean i think just when it comes to versatility and need that that's really why you know we see oscar mercado as the fit right and i i know like it, it it's kind of funny like talking about um like the outfield call-ups and it's not uh jordan walker right where it's like you know the, it seems like that's yeah been been you know a long that's term. the other one going it's, 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 it's it. more of a long-term project with him right where that's clear with, now well, yes. yeah with, with what uh, the cardinals are hoping to see and I, I think we're starting to see that a little bit i mean we can touch on this in a future episode um once we get a bit, bigger sample size right on, on what yep. jordan walker is doing uh, offensively but but yeah but also another guy who hasn't really played center field um Aside from, you know, a couple games in the fall league and, and in yeah. Springfield last year. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, just overall, like, Oscar Mercado's a fit because of the need and that that's kind of what the Cardinals need right now. They need somebody who can play center field um, because, I mean, there's going to be a lot of games over these next, what, two weeks? No, no, well, three weeks, I guess. But, but yeah, I mean, that's what, what it boils down to. Th- this kind of reminds me of last end of april early may mid-may when the cardinals called up brendan donovan because they needed someone to play a bunch of infield positions with with you know do a bunch of different things Mm -hmm. and do like a very specific role now it turned out donovan got a bunch of playing time and and became a a rookie of the year candidate right (laughs) so like but like it reminds me of that call up where like i remember I, i had to write a story about it last year for pinch hits where it was like explaining like this guy does a like, this is why he's getting called up over someone else mm-hmm. because he does something very specific and they need him for that that doesn't mean he is the number one prospect that doesn't mean he's who they see as the answer it's he he solves a, a he solves a problem right and in this case the same thing can i document to you oscar mercado's path to the major leagues well back to st louis i guess yeah, that's interesting. I mean, because obviously he was drafted in in 2013 by the Cardinals, Cardinals second round pick. Yep, as well. But I mean, go for it. Uh, in so June 2013, he's drafted by the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. July 2018, he is traded by the Cardinals to uh, the Cleveland Guardians of a different name. Cleveland. Cleveland for John Torres. Oh, anytime I hear Cleveland, I Cleveland, hear LeBron. LeBron. Uh, for John Torres and Connor Capel. That's a name we talked about last year a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Oakland A legend. Oakland A legend, Connor Cable. Uh, for the Guardians, he played one, two, three, four seasons. You know, played in his first stretch uh, about 200, 200 games over the course of three seasons mm-hmm. for, the, for, for the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, and then in uh, 2022, uh, he was DFA'd by the Guardians. Mm-hmm. Selected by the Phillies, played one game for the Phillies, mm-hmm. was DFA'd, and then was picked up by the Guardians and played 20 more games. So the Guardians both d- put him on waivers and then claimed him last season. And in between those, he played one game for, for the, the Phillies. Phillies. And then in the offseason, he was granted his free agency on November 10th. And then on eight days later, he signed as a free agent with the Cardinals. So... um 
he's making his path to the major leagues. This is a guy who has played, you know, how many games here? Uh, he has played 278, 278. major league games. Uh, in his career, he's at 235. He has stolen seven bases or 27 bases. So this guy can grab a bag for you if you ask him mm-hmm. to. Um, he's, he's, he fits a role. So I don't think we need to. He finished eighth in rookie of the year voting in his rookie season. Um, may you guess who won the rookie of the year in the American League uh, that season? 2019? Yes. Oh, I'm going to be so mad if I don't get this. Um, 2019 AL Rookie of the Year. Yes. In the, I'm gonna have to go back. Like, can I go backwards? It was because it was it was Pete Alonso in the National League. Okay, Pete Alonso in the National League. Um, Mike Soroka, Rookie of the Year. Okay, wait, hold on, hold on. What year is this? 2023. Today, this is 2023. Yes, 2023. So Julio is 2022. Someone was 2021. Someone else was 2020. Julio was 2022? Rodriguez. Oh, in the American League. Sorry. Yeah. I was all of a sudden thinking, I was like, pretty sure it was Spencer Strider in the National No, no, I, yeah. I understand that. But yeah. 2019, AL Rookie of the Year. I'm not cheating, too. Nope. Um, I feel bad that I can't remember this. I don't know why I can't remember this. Um, was it Jordan Alvarez? It was Jordan Alvarez. Okay. Yes, it was. Jordan Alvarez finished with 150, uh, or with all 30 first place votes, um, beating out uh, John Means. Of the Baltimore Orioles. John who, Means. Who started, uh, who went 12 and 11 that season in 27 starts. Okay. And I didn't cheat. Just. Nope. No, he didn't. I was watching him the whole time. Uh, so, Oscar Mercado making his way back. Good good for uh, Mike Schilt, manager of the year that year. Um, so, is there anything else we want to touch on here? We, we this, is, this is a kind of major league oriented episode about guys who can impact the Cardinals um, immediately. Guys who are going to impact the Cardinals today mm-hmm. and tomorrow and the day after that. Uh, I guess I want to give. I want to ask for your forecast. We, ne- we we kind of projected Matt Labrador to be the first minor league pitcher to make his way to the major leagues as and a starter. A, yeah, and get a chance to yeah because like a few tur- a few turns for the rotation. Yeah, jo- like JoJo got a start. No, didn't get a start. He got called up. He got called. Yeah, he got called up. Um, we saw like an up and down for Andre Pallante. We saw a go down for Zach Thompson. You know, like these. He's not the first minor league pitcher to pitch in the major leagues, but Matt Libertor is the first starter to kind of have an impact and uh, have have a, or at least project to have a, a little bit more of a lasting impact than you know a spot start. Sure, exactly. Who which you, which I think is kind of a, a yes different qualifier, right? Yes. Because, um, but yeah, you but, can always call someone up to start the the afternoon or the mm-hmm. morning of a doubleheader. Um, it, it's it's something, mm-hmm. right? Who do you project being the next minor leaguer to impact the club on a regular basis? I mean, well, I mean, I guess when it comes to need mm-hmm. and when it comes to being on a regular basis, it's kind of hard not to. Well, I mean, yeah, I, like, like I, I think you want to say is Jordan Walker, right? See, the guy, because the guy I was going to point to you wrote about this week. You think so? Mm-hmm. Wait, which you wrote about wait, a lot wait, of guys what, this week? What week is this? You wrote, you wrote about a lot of guys this week. Jake Walsh. Jake Walsh. Okay, yeah. I yeah. mean, I had to think about. It. I for, I my mind immediately went to Luke and Baker, but I realized that was last. Luke week. and Baker. Yeah. And then I know I wrote about Avon Herrera <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. bit. No, um, no. Just kind of his uh, exit velocities. That he's been kind of registering. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, but Jake Walsh, right? I mean, relief he's, pitcher. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we saw him at the beginning of the year. I mean, actually, I think we have to go back to the spring superlatives for this. 
for yes, this one. We called him one of the first guys to get called up. Right. And it's obviously because, I mean, when obviously call ups are based on need and based on performance, um, at, or need at the major league level, performance down at the minors. Um, and Jake Walsh, I mean, it, he had, he had a really interesting stretch to begin the year, um, uh, with Memphis. I mean, through his first, I think it was nine outings, didn't give up a run in like nine and a third innings. Um, had only given up two hits in that span. Uh, has kind of had a little bit rougher go around in his last three his last three outings. But I mean, when you look at the Memphis bullpen, um, and not just based on you know guys who are on the forty man or guys who were kind of in that call up range, um, yeah. but I mean when you when you just look at overall, I mean kind of stability, guys who have provided innings and effective innings. Jake Walsh is really that 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 key that key reliever for them. Um. And he's yeah, got, I he's mean, got closer stuff, which always keeps me on my toes. Like that guy has closer stuff. Like he's the guy. He's a guy who could be a, mm-hmm. you know, a late inning high leverage reliever, and that's a very specific type of pitcher. Mm-hmm. And to me, I like when I look at him, I don't think of a guy who's like your middle, like your middle relief man. I think of him as like, hey, this guy could do something. Like this guy could be like a guy you go to in, in a big spot for a strikeout. A guy you go to in a big spot for, uh, um, you know, with guys on you, base. You need, you need a guy who can get a hold for you. A guy who yeah. can keep those with, inherited runners on. Exactly. And that and, and he has the kind of swing and miss stuff that is interesting at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, like, like I'm running through, you know, his, his game logs here in the minor leagues this season. And he didn't have an ERA for the month of April. Like he didn't, he had a zero yeah. ERA through the, through the month of April, which is, you know, very, very, very in, impressive. He didn't allow a run scored until May 6th. Mm-hmm. And then, which he allowed three because he gave up a home run, which sucks, but like it's one pitch. That's kind of how I have to say it's, it's, it's like, we talk about this all the time, kind of personally, where it's like, you can't look at things like ERA and, Right, you like, can't just look at the numbers and say, "Oh, this guy's going to translate to being successful at the major league level." But right. when you look at, and especially now that we have, um, like that Statcast data available to us for we can for, see for AAA games, right? You you can see what's working for him to to get those swings and misses, or what's what that velo looks or like, like, or what that pitch movement looks like. And you can contextualize his outings. You can see what happened, and yeah. it's like, yeah, it's like okay, so he allows three earned runs in a, a relief appearance against the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. <laughs> and it and it's it's a home run. It's all off one. It's all off yeah. one pitch, right? Like, yeah. And and so, like, do do you throw away an entire month's worth of excellent performances because he had a bad pitch? Right. Like because outside of that outing, he's been elite. There had only been one other outing where he'd given up an earned run, and it was a, and you it know, was two days later, or not two days later, two outings, and later. another home run. Yeah. So it's like. It, it's it's you don't want to throw away like a, a a month's worth of good performances. So like I think he's the obvious next guy to get. And, and this wouldn't it, like I I call I say he has closer stuff as in like it's interesting. If he wasn't performing, he wouldn't be the first guy called up. That's part of it. Is like mm-hmm. it's not just because of the stuff that I'm. It's like he has he has the stuff and he's proving to be really good. Yeah, he's also at the point in his his age. He's twenty seven years old. Where it's like, hey, um, we kind of got to know what we're doing with you, like we got to see what this is work. If what's this is like in the major leagues, yeah, like because if he, if it's not going to work in the major leagues, we need to know that 
because we need to move on from you. We need to prioritize other other pitchers. We need to include you in a trade package to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It's like it's t- the time is now the clock is now on, and I think Jake Walsh knows that. I think he of all of all the people, I think he kind of recognizes that. Like, hey, I'm a college pitcher who you know has taken a little bit longer to get to because, the show. I mean, because of injury as well. That too, undeniably. But mm-hmm. I like. The, the unfortunate part of, of baseball is that um, at some point, no one cares that you got hurt. It's a very cutthroat industry. I don't have to tell you this. I'm telling. I mean, it's like, yeah, like, it's you unfortunate know, yeah. thing. Like, it's not fair, but it's like, you know, the amount of prospects who flamed out because of injury, you could, you could fill a notebook just writing their names, mm-hmm. right? Like, it doesn't, it's unfortunate, but it's true. At some point, you have to, at 27, it's like, all right, what are you? Mm-hmm. And I and I hope my tone from earlier a minute ago suggests that I think he's something interesting. Yeah, I'm not saying he's not just because he's 27 years old. I think it's like Jake and the Cardinals are probably both understanding that it's like, all right, we have to figure mm-hmm. what this out. What we have to figure this out at some point. And I'm sure Jake is like, hey, I'm kind of getting a little tired of playing minor league baseball. Mm-hmm. Like I I made my you know minor league base my my professional baseball debut. Um in 2017 i've mm-hmm. been doing this for six years this is grueling i i would like to take a a chartered jet instead of a bus ride <laughs> mm-hmm. stay in some five-star hotels you know like I, I, my my lease on my apartment in memphis is coming up here soon <laughs> like, yeah so um yeah, same here well not apartment in memphis but here in yeah. st in st louis do you need a realtor do we need to find you somewhere no i'll figure it out we'll figure okay i got some places i can show you they're, they're nice you'll like them um yeah. Okay, we've been going here for a little bit. This wasn't intended to be a longer episode. It's supposed to be more topical. And I think we've, at some point, uh, kicked this topic to death. So, do you have anything else you want to add in this kind of topical episode of the Best Podcast in the Myers? No, I think we uh, covered our bases or touched all bases. I don't know what, what the phrase is. But, yeah, but I, I feel like we've, we've um, hopefully provided a little bit of insight, a little bit of perspective Um into obviously this this kind of shuffle in the last what 24 hours with the cardinals um but i mean other than that i mean look for um i guess thank you for listening hope you continue listening and uh as always you know keep it locked in on stl today and pages of the post dispatch um for more cardinals content and more i guess coverage and insight onto you know the state of the cardinals and what's going on um and also for, you know, obviously all your other sports coverage and news coverage. Um, keep it locked in on, on STL today. Also for uh, uh, the, ST, uh, the the Post-Dispatch Podcast Network, as I call it. Yes. Um, with the, You can see Carter or listen to Carter on STL Soccer Talk. Um, see him on STL today as well? Uh, for STL Soccer Talk, the video edition, you will you can see me every Tuesday. Uh, you'll hear me later today on the best podcast. Well, not later today, I guess, but eventually on the best podcast in baseball. Or you uh, can hear him also on STL Soccer Talk already. STL Soccer Talk already. Um, wow, everywhere. We're, we're, we're up in our ante with podcasts. We're, we have been given blessings from those on high here to get more serious about the podcasting game. So we're up in the ante here. So more regular stuff so that there isn't a day that you won't have one of our wonderful writers voices talking to you about your favorite st louis sports team so thank you daniel for being here well thank you carter we're headed to the ballpark to see matt Lebator start right now um 
like, comment, subscribe, message us on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, don't message me anywhere else. Those are the only two places I check. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, and we will see you next time when we'll have a little bit more of a large scale episode. We'll see what we can do to kind of broaden our scope again after going so micro today. Mm-hmm. So thank you for listening and we will see you next time. <laughs>